Welcome to another episode of Latino in Chicago. This is your host, Eric Lugo. In this episode, I catch up with Selena Roldan, Chicago and Northern Illinois CEO of the American Red Cross. Each year, this region responds to 1,200 natural and man-made disasters and teaches more than a quarter of a million people in the Chicagoland area on issues such as health, safety, and disaster preparedness. Prior to joining the Red Cross, Selena served as the executive director of Erie Neighborhood House, which was founded in 1870 to strengthen low-income, primarily Latino families through skill building, access to critical resources, and collaborative action. In this episode, we learn about the American Red Cross's work that goes beyond emergency response, including being a critical partner to home fire response in the region, their efforts to go into neighborhoods and educate communities around fire safety, the work the Red Cross is doing to build trust among Latino families, what's similar and different about Selena's work at Erie and at the Red Cross. Selena also reflects on her time in Louisiana after catastrophic flooding. And finally, she shares some thoughts on the importance of balance and self-care in nonprofit work. I hope you enjoy. Here's Selena. Selena, thanks for being with us on Latino in Chicago. It's good to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's start by talking about the American Red Cross. What are you guys up to here in Chicago and certainly globally? Sure. So um, I'm the current CEO of the American Red Cross for Chicago and Northern Illinois, uh, which is the fourth largest region of the American Red Cross nationally. There's 60 regions. So we cover 21 counties throughout Northern Illinois. So we go to Rockford, Joliet, and the majority of our work, about 70% of our work is in Cook County. Um, so again, as most people know and think about the American Red Cross in terms of disaster response, and that's a huge piece of what we do, but it's also service to our armed forces. It's 40% um, of the nation's blood supply, and um, it's also, of course, you know, providing um, education around life-saving CPR and first aid skills. Um, we, our region of the American Red Cross is serving approximately 9.5 million people every single year. Um, last year we responded to over 6,000 disasters in the forms of fire, tornado, and flooding with uh, home fire being the number one disaster that we do respond to. Wow. Well, what's like the scope of work then in that space, like on, on the fire and kind of the sure. other kind of the regular emergencies versus what we all know? Like how does that balance work out? Sure. So, you know, I think that obviously most people, when they think of the American Red Cross, I think of, you know, Hurricane Katrina, mm -hmm. larger scale disasters. Um, the number one um, disaster that we do respond to is home fire. Mm -hmm. um, every single day in this country, seven people die in home fires across this country. Um, in the Chicago region, we respond to four to five home fires every mm -hmm. single day. So I think that, you know, most people think about, well, you know, where's the Red Cross role in that? So mm -hmm. when there's a home fire, um, you know, the fire department comes out, they put the fire out. But what they don't realize is that's all they're they're responsible for yeah. you know so that family that child is left there with absolutely nothing and that's when the Red Cross comes so every single time that there's a home fire we go out we're able to provide food clothing shelter mental health support um, wow. to, to help a family or community rebuild and move forward wow. uh, what was your journey to the Red Cross Sure. So I uh, I had the honor and privilege of working at another organization, Erie Neighborhood House, for 15 years. I started there um, as the social worker in their preschool program. Uh -huh. 
um, and then became their executive director for eight years. Um, in doing that work, uh, thinking about policy work and, and uh, issues around access to human services, early childhood. So that was really my space, but it was always, again, around serving communities and serving mm -hmm. people in need. Um, and so that's where I started. And so interestingly enough, um, then when the opportunity came um, to think about moving over to the Red Cross, I, I really wasn't quite sure if there was a fit. Mm -hmm. um, but when you look at the mission of the Red Cross, it is literally to serve the most vulnerable communities at their most vulnerable moments. Mm. Um, when a family has lost absolutely everything, when a, a family or person needs critical blood, um, that's the moment that the Red Cross is there. Yeah. Um, and that was what was so um, inspiring to me. And I knew that we'd continue to kind of do this work in communities the way that I wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the other really amazing part about the Red Cross is that 90% of our workforce are volunteers. Mm. So we have close to 3,000 volunteers that do our work every single day. Um, so these are people that work on our offices and help us fundraise, it, fundraise and they're also the people that are going out at 2 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. um, to neighborhoods all over our city when there's fires. Um, so we really, you literally have an organization that could not do its work yeah. um, without volunteers. Yeah, this is, um, it's, it's kind of hard for me to grapple my hands around this, right? Like, so, because, you know, I think, again, if the house is on fire, the firefighters come. But what role does then, how does the, like, Red Cross intervene or interact in that space? But from a volunteer perspective, too, because I guess when you were explaining, like, what would respond to X number of fires, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe the ambulances are like the Red Cross ambulances. Is that what it is? No, or? not that. <laughs> it's completely not. I mean, we have yeah. great partnerships and relationships yeah. with a lot of our local fire departments, yeah. um, but they're usually the ones that call and connect with us. Uh -huh. You know, we have a whole dispatch system that allows us to be able to go out, that we're notified when there's a fire, that we verify that fire has happened, yeah. where we then dispatch volunteers that have signed up and they are on call and they're ready to go out when, when they're needed. That's incredible. Uh, what would you say uh, makes the Red Cross so successful? Um, you know, I think that being part of a national structure structure and organization is is tremendous. Mm -hmm. um, you have this incredibly well-recognized brand, but and it's a brand that's really associated with hope mm -hmm. and um, this idea that, that we're there when you're, you need us. Mm -hmm. um, I also know, at least now, certainly being in this role in the short term that I've been here, that we do something that nobody else can do. And I think that's really a huge part that people don't completely know, that we, when people are coming out, when I think about most recently with uh, the huge response that we had with Hurricane Matthew, mm -hmm. um, people were getting out, and weeks before, we were sending people in mm. um, to be able to provide shelter for close to you know 10,000 people in four states. Yeah. Um, that's something only we can do, and I yeah. think that's part of what makes us so successful, and, and that success also comes from just people really incredibly generous donors and people that understand um, that, that, that we're the only ones that can do that work and that want to be part of us helping carry out that mission. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, you know, uh, speaking of, of, you know, the recent hurricane, uh, there's an element to natural disaster which is not preventative, but you're talking also about how you're thinking in advance about preventative situations. Uh, I'm curious, uh, how you know that might translate into local work here in Chicago or as related to you know things that people are anticipating happening around the world sure so that's another big part of what we kind of focus on is not only our response but mm -hmm. we want to be proactive mm -hmm. on a couple of different fronts one um, 
two years ago, the American Red Cross nationally launched a home fire prevention campaign for the next five years. And so we're two years into that campaign with the goal of reducing fire-related deaths and injuries by 25%. Um, we, we are already able to document that we've saved over 112 lives through that effort. So from us going in and installing smoke alarms in homes that then later on had fires where those families and children were able to get out, we're able to say that we're saving lives. Yeah. Um, so that's a big part of this this piece is actually going into neighborhoods and communities and installing smoke alarms. But part of it is also just talking about fire safety mm -hmm. with families. Um, the average American thinks that you have five minutes or more to get out of your home if there's a home fire. You have wow. two minutes or less. Wow. And so most people, most people with small children haven't practiced fire drills, safety drills. I know that I was, as soon as I took this job, I was checking for the, to make sure I had two exits out of my home and thinking <laughs> about, you know, what does that mean to actually get out of your home in two minutes or yeah. less and thinking about that. And so we're talking about that with children in schools, with families, in communities when we're going out and doing smoke alarm installation. Um, these are the kind of things proactively that we want people to be thinking about um, just when you think about safety in cities and in the Chicagoland area. Mm -hmm. uh, what should Latino fam or what kind of unique circumstances uh, prevent Latino families from being engaged in this type of conversation or uh, how is the Red Cross also thinking about uniquely engaging Latino communities or families in this type of space? Sure. Um, you know, I, I will tell you that I had the unique opportunity. I had my first deployment. Um, they actually call it deployments. And when there was the Louisiana flooding happening in Louisiana, I actually mm -hmm. got a call on a Monday and said, we need you to go. Yeah. Um, and three days later, I was in Baton Rouge. Wow. Um, and the, the main reason that I was asked to go was to help address some of the outreach that we were trying to do with diverse communities in Baton Rouge and Louisiana. Okay. And it was really amazing to kind of see, one, just kind of the, the post-traumatic stress that still is very prevalent in, you know, in and around New Orleans and in these communities after Katrina, and then just kind of, again, mm -hmm. now what had hit them in Baton Rouge. And you yeah. talk to mothers and families that literally tell you, every time it rains, I hold on to my kids. Because mm. they don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, there's a very large Latino community in and around New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of things there that are related to language. Mm -hmm. And I think the American Red Cross is very now very focused on making sure that we have things in multiple languages. We have team members that speak multiple languages that are mm -hmm. be able to provide this information. And really making sure that our community understands that we're not the government. Yeah. You know, we are impartial. We serve everyone, no mm -hmm. matter who you are, what you look like, what you bring to the table. Um, we want to help whoever needs help. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a message that we're really trying to communicate to the Latino community. Um, we understand also that there's, you know, some specific messages that we want to give around thinking about when you have home ownership. You know, make sure you have critical, important papers. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of what we saw is when there was mass, there was massive flooding, and people left things. They were left their home by an uncle, and Theo's now back in Mexico, and they don't have the right paperwork. They can't oh, wow. claim, you know, things that they need to be able to get insurance and other and other ways to rebuild. So that's a lot of the other communications that we're trying to talk to Latino families about being ready. Um, God forbid a disaster happens. Mm -hmm. um, from a Chicago perspective, do you think there are things that aren't working well that, that you're kind of actively trying to fix? 
Sure. I mean, I, I will acknowledge that we, we know that we have a very large undocumented population mm -hmm. in the city. Um, a big part of what we do is literally um, going into people's homes to install smoke detectors and smoke alarms um, and go into their homes to talk about safety and prevention and do that assessment with them. Um, so we know that we need to do even more to work with community partners mm -hmm. to build that trust, to have those communities invite us in mm -hmm. to be able to do that work. Um, we know that we're looking to really build up our diverse volunteer base. We know we need more volunteers that speak Spanish, that are willing to come and work with us, respond to fires, serve our military, and so mm. that's another piece of, of the work that we know that we need to do better about in terms of the work here locally. Oh, interesting. And um, are there things that you think are particularly effective in Chicago or working very well? Sure, I think because the breadth of our, our service, mm -hmm. um, you know, we are in every neighborhood, every community. Um, again, also, we also know there's a very large Latino community in the suburbs mm -hmm. as well, and mm -hmm. we have all of Northern Illinois, and so we're working with community partners there, um, thinking about, we've also been able to implement um, virtual casework, which also allows us to have more of the Spanish translation that we need, also have people that are on call that can be translators, so if we happen to not have someone in the middle of the night that goes out, we need someone that's able to speak yeah. Spanish, we can have people that can be on-call translators. So those are some of the things that we think are doing well. We always, you know, the goal is to have that Spanish-speaking person in front of that family when they yeah. need it most, but when we can't, we, we do have other ways to provide that support. Very cool. Um, so you mentioned earlier transition from Erie to the American Red Cross. Um, I'm curious, uh, what's different, what's the same? Um, you know, it's still a nonprofit organization. Yeah. <laughs> All nonprofit organizations have issues yeah. and challenges. They yeah. always, you know, have things, you know, you're always kind of looking at your bottom line. You're always um, trying to make sure you're looking at your expenses and, um, you have all, you know, sometimes you have IT challenges, sometimes you have HR issues, and yeah. some of that is, is always the same. Um, what's also same, the same, which is um, wonderful, is the, the commitment to the mission. Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I was so sure when I left Erie, I was never going to work anywhere else again where people were as committed mm -hmm. and as passionate about their work. Mm -hmm. And I was so wrong. I walked mm -hmm. in the door here, and just people that know what it means and they've seen it and they've seen people in mass shelters they've seen people who are standing on the street and their home is burned to the ground mm -hmm. and they're there to serve mm -hmm. in those unbelievable moments um, so that's the same and that's been wonderful you know what's different is also you're working in a larger national structure mm -hmm. um, you know Chicago is very different from a lot of the different areas and regions in this country but we're all one Red Cross and yeah. so these are some of the things that you're working on together in terms of a natural a national platform to be able to serve people nationally yeah because um, the fact is the majority of our disasters that we've seen over the last nine months have not been in Chicago mm -hmm. at least at that larger level they've been you know in our southern states but we're all there responsible to help one another yeah yeah um, I've got a few more questions around leadership, but I'm wondering if you can um, kind of just speak to that experience in Louisiana and, yeah, just maybe speak to that experience. Um, you know, we were about three weeks into the disaster at that point, um, so we were moving from kind of, you know, recovery into kind of relief efforts. Um, and 
you know, just even still, and so I had already deployed, many of our staff and volunteers had been on the ground since even before the, the flooding hit. And, and again, to kind of understand this, and flooding is I'm also learning about what's sexy and what's not sexy in terms of fundraising. Mm. People don't completely understand what flooding in, is, and I can tell you I had no idea what flooding looked like until oh. being here. Um, and so if you can think of three years' worth of rain being dumped on a state in three days, because yeah. that's exactly what happened in Louisiana. And it, it landed on people that were in areas that were not considered flood zones. Mm. So in terms of the property damage of what people lost with no chance of recovery. Wow. Um, so even a month later when I got there, there were still 500 people in shelter. Okay. Um, and you have this, you know, and I remember calling my parents and actually saying I have to deploy, deploy to Louisiana, my father being like, I haven't heard deploy since I went to Vietnam. You yeah. know, I haven't, you know, this kind of space. And you literally are sent there with kind of this is your kind of space or mission of work that you're going to need to do for the next week to two weeks. Yeah. I was actually only there for a week. The majority of our volunteers give two to three weeks of their lives up wow. to get up and go. They're usually with 24 to 48 hours notice. Um, and you're there on the ground doing um, whatever it takes to kind of carry out, dis you know, um, disaster assessment of just property that was damaged to mass sheltering of people. When you mm -hmm. think about at what point having 10,000 people in shelters and what that looks like. Um, I remember being in one of the shelters and now it was day 30, 35 and uh, actually doing some information and PSAs that we were sending out to the Latino community and I mm -hmm. turned around in one of the cots I saw a little girl and she was in her school uniform and it looked like she was doing homework and then mm -hmm. I saw that her mom was on her cot helping her with homework and it occurred to me that these kids are going to school yeah you know that they are in this huge movie theater complex it's a shelter that's been their home for the last 30 days they're sleeping every night with 500 other people yeah. and they're getting up and going to school every day wow. and the only consistent thing in their life was the Red Cross Wow. it was just um, I think that people, when you think about you know, the Red Cross, they don't completely know and understand what that looks like. Yeah. So it was it was a pretty powerful experience. Yeah, that is um, very powerful. Uh, so back to leadership a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say uh, you're doing differently uh, in this role um, as you've kind of navigated the transition from Erie to sure. uh, to to the Red Cross? And, and and another way to ask that question is just it's been a little over a year now, maybe or a little under. A little less, yeah, a little, a little less. less yeah. Um, you know what's different day one than than from today? Um, I think day one, and it was kind of when you come in here, and everyone says, you know, in their job, they really have no idea what it. I, every day I go to work and I don't know what it's going to be like. I literally yeah. every day I go to work and I have no idea what it's going to be like. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's going to be raining really hard in Houston, and I don't know if, you know, um, it was interesting to me that a couple of weeks ago my um, chief disaster officer came into my office, and the fact that I have a chief disaster officer is a whole other thing that I still every day I kind of have to Some go. Some of us might feel like we need that in our personal lives, right? <laughs> I know. I said the fact that I have a chief disaster officer, and he said to me, um, "So the World Series," and I said. I know, isn't this exciting? And he goes, well, you do realize we have, you know, emergency action plans now that, you know, we're involved in kind of if something were to happen during yeah. the World Series. And then even the day of the parade, and yeah. we had our command center up, and we had patient connection running, and, um, you know, wow. this whole other piece of, so I think when you come in here, I, I didn't completely understand all of the pieces that, that we do, that yeah. I now have a much better idea of knowing. Um, you know, my predecessor was an incredible woman that did tremendous work to build this organization. Mm -hmm. So I, being in this role, simply just kind of 
building that further. Mm -hmm. um, I do want us to see, mo uh, see more of us in communities. Mm -hmm. We are in communities, but mm -hmm. I don't think people really see us in the same way that we are. We have such tremendous partnerships. This yeah. work that we're doing around smoke alarm installations and safety planning um, it can really, I think, be broadened a lot right. more than what we're doing. And so when you look at the top six zip, the top six zip codes that we're in in terms of fire response, you have Austin, Englewood, um, Auburn Gresham, Roseland. Um, these are communities that we want to be in and yeah. we want to be able to support in a lot of different ways. Wow. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it, it, it seems to me that you know, well, I'll just speak for myself, right? It feels like the American Red Cross is just something that happens outside of, you know, my right. bubble, right? Right. right. Um, because, you know, I'm not at risk of a hurricane or, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we don't hear about potential terror attacks in Chicago. That's maybe because of where we're located, but it's also probably because people are doing their job and it's not, you know, escalating to a way that it gets out to the masses. But, um, to recognize that there are these kind of local contexts, right, that uh, create real challenge, right, and directly connect into the service model, I think is um, eye-opening, not only for me, hopefully for other folks, but um, what are the, the types of uh, ways that people can kind of grapple with that or, or get to know that differently and, and maybe accept Ameri the American Red Cross differently. Sure. I mean, we always, one thing again, I mean, when you're in actually you're able to be a volunteer with us, you see it and you're in it in a way mm -hmm. that it, there's, you can't replace that. And I yeah. think that that's one way that people, if people are really um, wanting to understand our work, you know, we want volunteers and there's so many different pieces of our work that people can volunteer and be part of. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something hard to explain to people about mm -hmm. um, what does it look like to be ready. That's right. a lot of what goes on there is about when things go really smoothly, when I thought about our presence at the marathon mm -hmm. and that it was a very peaceful, calm day, I knew it was because we were there. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's part of it is that if things go really, really well, you know that we're there and we've done our job, but yeah. it's harder to tell that story about what we do. Yeah. Um, I will tell you there's a lot of planning and a lot of conversations that go on on our disaster side just thinking about god forbid we had a mass casualty event here mm -hmm. in chicago i think mm -hmm. people don't completely know um, the coordination um, that happens between oemc our office of emergency management you know our police departments our fire departments the red cross planning for you know these worst case scenarios and how it would impact our city and yeah. that's a huge part of what we also do which um does make me sleep better at night mm -hmm. as much as I worry about something like that happening, knowing that we have the best people yeah. thinking about it and planning for it proactively in the event that there was to be some kind of disaster in that regard. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there's any role the Red Cross plays in the current state of violence in Chicago? Um, you know, uh, we are focused on, you know, again, our mission is around serving, is around, you know, natural disasters or man-made yeah. disasters in that regard. Um, even in the, in the, with the tragedy in Orlando, which was, um, we were there, mm -hmm. but we were there as um, first responders to the first responders and mm -hmm. providing support at that time, and that's always what our role would be. Um, and our role is also around blood donation and those other types of support. Yeah. We're really focused on supporting 
you know, and we do want to have a role to support the community organizations that are addressing those issues. You know, we have right. great community organizations, great community leaders in our city mm -hmm. um, that are doing that, that are focused on that, and I hope us that we can be at the table more to provide any level of expertise or support that we can yeah. to to help those individuals that are already doing that great work. Yeah. Um, any thoughts for younger leaders as they kind of ready themselves for? you know, higher leadership roles or opportunities? Um, I would, I always tell people to try doing everything. Mm -hmm. um, you know, try doing a lot of different things. Sometimes that internship, that job, that practicum, you may learn a lot, but it may not be the thing that you end up wanting to do. Mm -hmm. I always talk about um, one of the best and most valuable experiences of my life was my uh, internship and practicum work that I did as, when I was getting my master's in social work, which was all in correctional work. And mm -hmm. I was working in a halfway house with women felons and then in the Dane County Juvenile Co Correctional Facility, mm -hmm. um, which is a complete 180 then when I started working with, you know, small preschool children at Erie as yeah. the social worker. But I learned so much just about our criminal justice system, about the cycle of violence, how that disproportionately impacts African-American community and it also impacts women in that mm -hmm. cycle um, and then can you figure out well that's not exactly what I want to do but I really want to do this but I learned a lot in yeah. that experience so um, I think that you know young people also just really need to um, you know know that this is difficult work but it's not everything that you are mm -hmm. you know it's not all that it, you you know you, you do this work and you have to have that right balance um, it can be really easy to take a lot of it home with you every single day, but mm -hmm. you have to create some kind of um, space to, to know that it doesn't completely encompass who you are yeah. um, and still get up every day and come back and mm -hmm. try again and mm -hmm. try and do it better, and, and that's all that anyone can ask of you. That's great. Any literature that informs your thinking? Um, you know, interestingly enough, and I was thinking about it because I, the, one of the books that I'm reading right now is... Um, Brown is the new white, and uh. so I um, I sit on the board for NCLR, National uh -huh. Council of Latas, and it was a book that was given to all of the board of directors, kind yeah. of just thinking about um, the obviously the growth of of people of color in this country and kind of the politics around that, and so um, just thinking about our changing demographics in our country, and just mm -hmm. then I think about also the changing de demographics in our city, and then how that also impacts the American Red Cross and the work that we're going to be doing. Yeah, um, it's it's been very interesting. That's fascinating. I'm, I'm wondering, have you um, uh, been able to do anything unique or different with NCLR as you stepped into this role? It's actually, you know, interestingly enough, when I got to deploy to Louisiana, one of the main reasons was focusing on how do we do tr outreach as quickly as possible to the Latino community, and yeah. that was a time where I was able to reach out to NCLR and say, I need as many contacts in Louisiana as possible yeah. to be able to be able to get the word out about the assistance that the American Red Cross does have available, figure out our communications with FEMA, um, thinking about the other groups, but then also talking about how do you kind of set up um, communities to continue to have a more proactive disaster response in the future, and yeah. NCLR was a a huge part of those conversations when I was in Louisiana. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what would you say your vision is for, you know, this work over the next, you know, few years? We, we've talked about community engagement a bit, but how would that, um, you know, tactically get developed, I guess, in your mind? Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I will tell you, um, 
you know, one of the challenges has been in the last nine months, we've responded to a third more disasters um, than we have in this time frame than we have for the past three years wow. nationally. So when larger national disasters happen, the whole nation has to respond. So Chicago has to be part of that response. Um, so I think <laughs> depending what will happens over the next couple of years in terms of natural disasters will impact somewhat what we're also doing locally. They refer to it here as blue sky, gray sky, which is really interesting. So, okay. you know, blue sky is what, you know, the normal stuff, you have, you have to be responding to home fires, yeah. you know, doing CPR first aid, doing blood donation, and then gray sky is right when you have these national, you know, huge national large-scale disasters, and then you have to be doing both at the mm. same time. Um, so I certainly would like... Um, I really want to be able to increase our presence in communities. Mm -hmm. I really want to see more diversity mm -hmm. in our volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, have people know and understand that the Red Cross is a place for them, um, and that you know, hopefully, being more of a convener and, a, and a, an organization that can be bringing different groups together in these neighborhoods that we're already in, because yeah. we're already working so closely with city officials and city organizations in these neighborhoods when we have disaster response. Yeah. Um, so that, that is one primary area of focus that I would like to see over the next year to two years. Very good. Um, and, and you mentioned, you know, volunteers and convenings, but how could people help? Sure. So obviously people can contact, direct, contact us directly mm -hmm. um, at www.redcross.org, obviously mm -hmm. at our Chicago office. Mm -hmm. um, our headquarters are here on Harrison Street, mm -hmm. and we're always, that's one way to call us, go online directly, you know, let us know what your area of interest is in. Um, it doesn't just have to be disaster response. Again, mm -hmm. we have a huge um, area of service to, our services to armed forces is a huge part of our work and what we do. I spent Veterans Day um, at the Jesse Brown Veterans Hospital that we're at on a regular basis, serving our mm -hmm. veterans, um, doing a, a special Veterans Day celebration for them, but we mm -hmm. provide a lot of support um, currently to our military and also to our families of deployed military. Cool. Um, so that's another great way for people to kind of get connected to the Red Cross and what we're doing. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for the time no, today. Thank you so much. It's good to see you. Thank you, Eric. All right. That was Selena Rodan, Chicago and Northern Illinois CEO of the American Red Cross. As always, I appreciate you tuning in. And if you're finding value from our conversations, I hope you'll take a minute and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Thanks again for listening, and until the next one, peace.